direction we are in Acts. We uh, took a little bit of a, a break over Christmas, and, and we resumed last week uh, where we had kind of left off, which was in Acts chapter 16. Uh, this chapter kind of kicks off Paul's second missionary journey, uh, a journey that he wanted to take primarily because he wanted to revisit the, the churches that he had planted on his first missionary journey. He wanted to make sure that those believers were actually growing in their faith, and they were making the kind of disciples who would go on and make more disciples of Jesus. Uh, and of course, that's, that's really God's call for us all, as we kind of talked about a little bit in our kids' feature this morning. Uh, Jesus stated in Matthew 28, 18, that one of our, our primary tasks in life is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And so this command is for every generation of believers. Ever since the time of Christ, we are to make disciples who will then go on to obey the commands of Jesus and thus make more disciples. And this is precisely what Paul has been doing uh, throughout his missionary journeys. In fact, one of the disciples that Paul made uh, in the, the city of Lystra was a young man named Timothy. Uh, Timothy had accepted Christ as his savior uh, on one of Paul's first uh, missionary journeys. And since then, he had grown up and he had matured in his Christian faith, uh, so much so that Paul wanted to take him along with him on this second missionary journey now. And of course, we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, Timothy agreed. And so together, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they went and they revisited all those churches that Paul had uh, earlier planted uh, and encouraged them to continue growing in the Lord. Uh, we concluded last week with this verse in Acts 16.5. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. In other words, the believers in those cities, uh, they, were, they were encouraged and spurred on to keep trusting God, growing to know him more and more, and they continued to tell others about Jesus. And thus, more and more people came to know and follow him. And so with that kind of phase of the, the second missionary journey completed, uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy then went on to visit some brand new churches. Churches, or not new churches, new cities. Cities that had never heard the gospel. They didn't have any churches. Uh, and that's what we're going to read about today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 6. 16, and we're going to start at verse 6, but before we do that, we'll pause here for a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day, and already for the, the things that we've experienced. We thank you that we've had a uh, time uh, where we can worship you in song, uh, we can read your scriptures, we can, we can speak to you in prayer. Uh, and now, God, as we pray that as we open up uh, the pages of your word, that you would continue to speak to us, uh, tell us those things that we need to know, uh, convict us uh, where we're going wrong, encourage us where we're going right. Uh, whatever you have to say to us, God, may we have the ears to listen. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 6, begins like this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, we're going to stop here because this is actually pretty interesting. Twice in these three verses, we read that Paul and Silas were wanting to go somewhere to, to preach the gospel, bring the good news to people who had never heard. But for some reason, unknown to us and them, God did not allow them to do that. And this might strike us as being a little bit odd. You know, why would God prevent Paul and Silas to, from preaching the word of God to people who had never heard. Now, didn't Jesus command them to, to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? 
You know, doesn't, doesn't God want everyone on earth to be saved? Uh, doesn't he want everyone to, to know the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, yes, yes, and yes. Uh, Jesus did command us to go and make disciples of all the nations, including those in the provinces of Asia and Bithynia. Uh, we're also told in uh, 2 Peter 3.9 that God is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So clearly, this is not an issue of God you know, not wanting the people of Bithynia or, or Asia to hear and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. The scriptures are clear that God wants everyone to hear the gospel, uh, to repent of their sins, and be saved. But yet, our passage in Acts makes it very clear that it was not the will of God for Paul and Silas and Timothy to go to these particular places at this particular time. God had another plan in mind, and we read about that in the very next verse. Verse 9 says, That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Even though preaching the good news in Bithynia and Asia would have been good and important things to do, it was clear that God had prepared a different path for Paul and Silas at this time. They were to go to Macedonia to preach the good news to the people there. And they would just have to trust that God would uh, arrange oh, somehow for the, the people of Bithynia and Asia to hear the good news either, you know, at some other time or through some other means. And of course, we know that God did. Actually, as we read a little bit later on in Acts, we see that Paul did end up visiting these areas and, and sharing the gospel with them. But I think this is maybe a good spot to make a few comments about following the will of God in our own lives. And I'm going to say this with a little bit of caution because I don't want to be misunderstood. So hopefully I can say this clearly. Just because something is morally good or aligned with the principles of Scripture does not always mean that it is God's will for our lives in that particular moment. All right, I'll, I'll say that again. Just because something is morally good or aligned with the principles of Scripture does not always mean that it is God's will for our lives in that particular moment. Now, that is not to say that it is ever God's will for us to, to go against uh, what, what is morally good, to, to do morally wrong things. It is not God's will uh, for us to go contrary to the Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes there are multiple good things that we could do. You know, in this case, uh, Paul could preach the gospel in Bithynia. Paul could preach the gospel in Macedonia. Both are, are good, morally good things that we know are, uh, they're not contrary to what God has revealed in his scriptures. Um, they're both good and important things, but only one was God's will for Paul at this particular time. And, and we face those kind of decisions in our lives probably all the time, right? We, we want to follow God's will and, and obey his leading, but sometimes we're faced with more than one good option, right? Uh, we don't often have the luxury of, of having God give us a, a vision to reveal the, the specific details of what we need to choose, what his will is. You know, decisions like, you know, who does God want me to marry? Or, or what does God want me to do with my life? What college should I attend? What, what job should I take? What, what house should we buy? What church should we attend? How many kids should we have? Right? And, and chances are, for those type of questions, there may be lots of good options. So how do we determine God's will in, in those type of questions? Well... That, that's a, a pretty loaded question, and unfortunately, we don't have the time to fully explore all of that today. But uh, there are a couple principles that we can see in these verses that can help us in our own decision-making process. Now, first of all, there's a couple things going on behind the scene that we aren't specifically told about. But because of what we know about Paul and Silas and Timothy, I, I think we can pretty safely assume these things were taking place. I, I think we can safely assume that they were praying for God's guidance. 
that they were looking to be obedient to the scriptures and, and to the commands of Jesus. And they were using their God-given collective wisdom to determine the best path for them to take forward. That's, that's kind of the, the standard procedure, I think, for, for any Christian looking to follow God's will. Now, number one, you pray about it, right? You ask God to, to lead and to guide you. You submit your will to his. You, you determine to do what he says, no matter what. Secondly, you make sure that what you're considering is aligned with Scripture, right? God has already told us much of his will in the pages of Scripture. Uh, you know, things like, you know, doing good to others and, and sharing the gospel, making disciples, uh, uh, encouraging and, and honoring one another, helping the needy and the poor, things like that, right? So that's kind of the, the second step. We make sure that what we're considering does fall in line with what God has already revealed in his word. And then thirdly, you use the brain that God gave you and the good advice of other wise Christians to kind of come up with a logical direction. Now, to be honest and to be clear, God doesn't always lead us to do things that are human, humanly logical, I guess is the, the word, right? Sometimes God's will for us is to go totally against human logic. But generally speaking, God leads us to do things that make sense, right? God is a God of order and sensibility and rationality. And so he expects us to use our brains and the wisdom of others to, to help make good decisions. And so I fully expect that Paul and Silas and Timothy were doing all of those things, right? I'm sure that they were praying about it. Uh, they were seeking to carry out God's command to, to go and make disciples. And as I'm sure that as they were talking amongst themselves, talking through their options, they determined that the next logical step for their preaching tour would be in Bithynia. Now, wait a second. Uh, they were doing all the standard procedures for determining God's will, and they started off in the wrong direction. Or did they? Actually, when you think about it, they actually weren't going in the wrong direction. They had the wrong destination in mind, but they were still going in the right direction. Let me read through those verses again. Verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I know you're probably not really familiar with the, the geography of that time and in that area, uh, but I do happen to have a lovely little map there for you. Uh, and you'll notice on the far right, kind of in that dark green province where Timothy joins Paul and Silas, that's kind of the area of Galatia. So from there, they headed towards Asia, but God said, no, don't go preaching in Asia. And so they headed north to Bithynia. But again, God said, no, don't go into Bithynia. And so they kept on going until they reached Troas, which as you can see on that map there, is just one short little boat ride away from Macedonia. See, all along that they had the wrong destination in their mind, but God was still leading them in the right direction. And that leads me to two other principles that we see in these verses that can help us as we determine God's will for our own lives. And that is number one, Sometimes God directs us only after we take the first steps. Uh, you've maybe heard the, the saying, you can't steer a parked car, all right? And, and that's true. I mean, you can sit in the car, you can spin that steering wheel all around however you want, but if that car is parked, you're not going to change the direction of the, of the car until it actually starts moving. And, and God often works the same way. 
He often waits to give us directions until we start moving forward. You know, God didn't tell Paul and Silas to go directly to Macedonia. Basically, he told them where to go by telling them where not to go as they were walking down the road. That was kind of how he did it. And from my own experience and from, you know, many of the stories that we read in the Bible, very rarely does God lay out his entire plan for us before we begin. It's usually one step at a time. Uh, and sometimes, as we begin going in a certain direction, we think that we're going to end up in a certain place. But God knows that, you know, once we've traveled down this road X number of steps or miles, he's going to veer us off and take us in another direction to get us to where we need to be. And, and it's not that, you know, going that first direction is, is wrong or mistaken. It's just part of God's plan to get us to where he wants us to be. Uh, and that leads us to the other principle that we see in these verses. And that is that we need to continually be listening and looking for the leading of the Lord. You know, it's pretty obvious as, as Paul and Silas were attempting to, you know, preach in the, the province of Asia or preach in the, the province of Bithynia, that they were paying attention and they were looking for the leading of the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly how God communicated to them that they were not to preach in those places. You know, maybe there was some sort of physical roadblock or, or circumstances uh, that kept them from going there. Maybe it was just a real clear sense from the Holy Spirit that that is not what God wanted them to do. Um, maybe, it was, maybe it was a vision or an audible voice that they heard. We're, we don't know. We're not given that information. But however God chose to communicate this to them, it was obvious that they were listening and paying attention to the leading of God. And that needs to be our continual attitude as well. We always need to be looking and listening for the leading of the Lord. Now, God doesn't just speak to us at church or when we do our devotions, although it might seem like that because that's probably the only time that we're actually listening and paying attention for what God has to say to us. But God speaks to us all the time if we were to pay attention. Um, there's a, a verse in, in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know, as we constantly seek God's will, every day, all day, seeking his direction and his guidance for our lives, God will show us which path to take. And of course, he might communicate his will to us in a variety of ways. You know, that, that significant roadblock that kind of pops up and, and seems to, to threaten to derail our plans. Well, that might be God moving us off in another direction. When we have a, a sense of uneasiness or, or that lack of peace in our hearts about a decision that we need to make. You know, that might be God telling us to, to hold off on that decision for a little while. You know, there's several ways that God might communicate to us and direct our paths. But we can be sure that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and seek his will in all we do, that he will direct our paths. He will show us which path to take. After all, don't you think God wants us to know his will? Don't you think God wants us to take the path that he, he knows is best for us? Well, of course he does. God is eager to reveal his will to us. I mean, that's, that's why he, he's given us his word, right? He's, he's written out uh, an entire volume for us to give us direction in our lives, right? He doesn't purposely keep his will hidden from us or, or make it hard for us to discern. We've got the pages of scripture, but we have to, to make the effort and take the time to actually listen to his voice. That means that we need to take time to pray regularly and often, and not only to speak to God, but actually to listen to him as well. It's probably a good practice in your prayer times to stop speaking and just listen. Be silent. Let God speak to you in the quietness of your heart. 
It also means that you need to spend time in his word. And don't just read it, but work to understand it. You know, uh, reading our Bibles is not just something that's on our to-do list to be a good Christian, right? We do this so that we can know God, that we can understand his will, and we can hear from him. Uh, that's how he communicates to us. So we need to be intentional about our, our Bible times. Um, and of course, as you get to know God through his word and through prayer, God will guide your mind and your thoughts so that you can make those decisions that are in line with his will. Uh, Romans 12, 2 speaks to this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about how God has given us a brain to, to logically think through these things and to make those good decisions in conjunction with the wisdom of other believers. But we need to remember that our brain needs to be informed by the Word of God so that we have the right information by which to make those decisions, right? Without having a mind full of, of the Bible and of prayer, you know, we simply don't have the, the right information available to us to be able to make those good decisions, but as we saturate our minds with the word of God and with prayer, God changes the way we think so that we can know God's will for us. Which, by the way, this verse says is good and pleasing and perfect. And maybe that's the, the point that I'll end on for this morning. God's will for your life is good and perfect and pleasing. God is a good God, and he wants good for you. There's a passage, a little verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I know this is written specifically to those people, but the principle applies to us. Uh, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this doesn't mean that God has plans to make you healthy, wealthy, and comfortable for the rest of your life here on earth. You know, that is, that is, that that is likely not God's plan for your life. I can tell you that right now. But what God does desire is to give you a future and a hope. He wants you to experience his joy and his peace and his goodness for all eternity. And we can have that through a relationship with him. All we have to do is to, to believe and trust in his son, Jesus. You know, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, Jesus Christ, the, the one whom we, we celebrated his birth all last month, he was the one who came into the world not to condemn us, but to save us, uh, to save us and to give us the hope of eternal life with our creator. And, and so I've just encouraged you today as we kind of close this morning uh, to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, to, to not depend on your own understanding, but to seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And if you'd like to, to talk a little bit more about what that might look like in your life, I would be more than happy to, to talk with you after the service and to pray with you about those things. You know, maybe today you want to you wanna trust in him for, for forgiveness and salvation, to experience that joy and peace that he offers. And if that's the case, I would love to, to sit down and have a little conversation with you and, and pray with you to help you on that journey. Or maybe you just want to reaffirm your trust in him, particularly as you, you look for guidance in, in a particular issue that you're working through in your life right now. And if that's the case, again, I would love to, to pray with you as we seek uh, together God's will for your life in this particular instance. Uh, but however it all works out, you know, I, I would love to pray with you and for you as you work through these things. But I would encourage you today just to, to trust in him for salvation, first of all, 
Trust in him to, to guide your paths and trust in him to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray together this morning and then we'll be dismissed into our week. Dear God, we thank you again for these few verses in Acts. We, we didn't make it through the chapter again, but God, we're, we're so encouraged to, to know that you do care about the path that we take, all the, the things that we navigate in this life. You know all about all the, the intimate details. Uh, they're, they're of a great concern to you, and you want us to know your will. And so, God, I pray that each one of us would diligently seek to know your will, that we would spend that time in prayer and, and in your word so that our minds might be transformed, so that we would know your will. God, we thank you for our Christian brothers and sisters that you've given us, for this church family, people that can offer their wise advice. We thank you that they're filling their minds with, with your word and with prayer so that they can speak into our lives as to what your will is. And God, I pray that as we navigate through all these things, uh, if there's some of us here who've never made that initial choice to trust you with our lives, I pray that those people would make that decision even today. May they learn that you are a good God who loves them more than they can even imagine uh, and wants to, to give them a future and a hope. May they make that decision to trust in you today. And for the rest of us, as we work through our, our day-to-day stuff, uh, I just pray that we would be uh, ever listening and attentive to your leading, whether it's those, those little promptings that we get while we stand in the, the grocery store line or, or as we're talking with our, our buddies at work or whatever it is, God. May we ever be attentive to your leading so that we can follow you, uh, bringing honor and glory to your name and, and certainly benefit to us. So God, we thank you so much for your incredible love for us. And we thank you that you would care enough to even guide us through our day-to-day life. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.